Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show, Designers Discussing Design. We're on episode 53, The Con is On. I like it, Sen. Good title. And uh, we're really excited about this. This is a new twist for us. Uh, We've had publishers. We've had um, reviewers. We've had, obviously, lots of designers. But we're going to be talking about cons, conventions. And uh, specifically, we'll be chatting with... Uh, a couple organizers of conventions we're very excited about. Um, but before we get there, you'll notice we have the one, the only, our one of our faves, uh, Suze, is on the show. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for being here. What games have you been playing lately, Suze? So many. And, I, you know, I knew you were going to ask me, and I, I had to make a decision because I played, like, Nautilus Industries and Isle of Sky and La Ooh, Braha. I really want to try that. So Ooh. many good stuff. Yes, that's exactly it. Oh, the metal coins are so clinky and awesome. I love metal coins. But the game I decided I needed to talk about, and I it was short-sighted, I didn't bring it up into where I'm recording, is Bucket King 3D. Ooh, what? I'm getting a lot of I don't know lips, this. That's awesome. <laughs> that's I love it. It's so awesome. Bucket King 3D is republished. It's got, like, the art is um, similar to, like, the Pick a Dog and Pick a Pig series for kids, you know? It's got that really silly look. And it's the silliest game. You get these sets of cards in different colors, um, and you also get these little, like, one-and-a-half-inch tall plastic buckets. And basically what you do is you get Delta Hand of Cards, and depending on the colors of the cards, and they're numbered, like, one through eight or something like that, um, you look at your hand, and then you have to build a pyramid. Everybody gets the same number of buckets in different colors. You have to build a pyramid of these buckets in front of you strategically. And then you basically play, um, it's kind of like a ladder game where, you know, I'll play a red two, and then the person to the right will play a red three. And you just have to, you can use multiple cards, and you just have to keep on getting higher in value. And when you sure, can't sure. play, you have to... It's a dexterity game, ladder game. You have to flick out one of the buckets of the color you can't fulfill. That's it. Wow. Yay, Sam. Thank you. So, wow. That is not the combination of mechanics I expected coming. It's, it's so ridiculous. So, for example, in this picture that Sen's showing, uh, let's say, like, red was coming around the table and this person's hand doesn't have any red, they would have to flick their red bucket and then... Um, of course, they're lucky to have one on top because maybe they knew, I don't have any red cards. I'm going to have to flick that out soon, so I'll oh, put red on top. I get it. That is super cool. And then they flick just the top one, and ta-da, they keep on going. But wow. if you're like me, you're <laughs> And you put all the important colors at the bottom, and you knock your pyramid over in one round. But That, that art looks exactly like Pick a Pig. It's it the is. same art. I mean, it is the same art. It's yeah. the same company that published it, uh, but it's a Stevendora design, so that's You guys, I can't cool. even tell you how ridiculously fun, this little yeah, game is. Yeah, it looks it's so fun awesome. and so cute. Yeah, yeah. and I, I like Pick a Pig, and I like Stephandora, so combination, it's, it's a good thing. So definitely try to find it. I will. Sen, how about you? What have you been playing? I've been playing a lot of the uh, Packa Games games by uh, Chris Handy, uh, one of our good, good friends, because where I teach, we have a bunch of uh, teachers and students that are there that, that like to play games, but we can't always get together for a long period of time. It's just kind of in between classes. 
Um, so we grab a table in Four Wheel Hall, and we sit and we play games, and people just kind of drop in and drop out. So the 10-minute little games that Chris made are perfect for that. Uh, and today we played Shh, which is a um, word game. But it's a cooperative word-building game where you can't talk. And it is so interesting just because it's only each letter of the alphabet once. A bunch of pass cards. You get one pass per player. And what you have to do is try to use up all the letters uh, before you can't make a word. And the really neat thing about it is that you know what you have in your hand, and as you keep on playing cards, you get to know what people have or don't have in their hand. Like if I played played a Z and you played an O, uh, well, yeah, that's not a good one. But or like a I, and then the next person had to pass. I know, oh, that person probably doesn't have a P because they would have used the P to spell zip. Um, and so you get to know what everybody has in their hand. So you're trying to lead into each other's hand without talking. Shh, you can't talk uh, and form words. So it's really quite cool. It's very very interesting. It's um, really, we loved it. We had a great time with it, just the three of us. So, Daryl, what about you? What have you been playing lately? Yeah, actually, I got to go away uh, last weekend to a random island um, and play games and hang out with a, uh, a bunch of kite surfers. And uh, so in the evening, we played, they, start, they got addicted to Spyfall and Cockroach Poker. Those were like the go-to, just like hilarious... Uh, evening games, um, and then also I got to play a bunch of Singrata, which was uh, one of my prototypes that I'm still waiting to hear back from a few people, and it was funny because while I was waiting, I was like, man, I haven't played this game since Gen Con, and I love that game, so I was really happy to get to play that a bunch of times, so that's uh, that's been me uh, lately, but people might notice we actually have a fourth person in the room right now. Uh, David is in the house. Anyone who... Uh, doesn't know David, uh, you, you've clearly not watched one of our live shows because he's often hanging out on the YouTube channel interacting and chatting with people. But uh, we we have a big thank you to David because David's been helping us with something that many of our viewers have requested. And then out of nowhere, David was just like, oh, I can help you with that. So, David, why don't you tell our viewers what you've been up to this week? Uh, so we are converting all of the awesome videos and content that you guys have to audio format for podcasting. Yay! Which is great because um, you're, you're going to see pictures of Flick here because I just had to show you guys how awesome the art is. Chris um, did a lot of photography for this. But anyway, um, the, <laughs> the idea that David is helping us rip all of our audio um, Right now, just straight from the the feeds right. onto an audio format, and we're going to have that available soon on iTunes and maybe somewhere else. We're, we're getting our hosting all kind of figured out right now. Um, I didn't know this, Daryl, but we have something ridiculous like 180-odd pieces of content. Yeah, isn't that wild? I, I could not believe through this week while we were chatting with David how much... I think it was how 1.7 gigs of audio. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's actually a little bit bigger than that. I miscalculated because uh, my my uh, system didn't actually count some of the files. So it's actually probably <laughs> it's over. It's probably over two once it's an audio format. Yeah. yeah. So one of, one of the things <laughs> yeah, we did not gig. calculate when we uh, when we originally kickstarted 
was we got a fairly basic website package uh, with one gig of space, and we've already created over two gigs of audio content, which is a great problem, uh, but uh, maybe uh, if we raise some more money in the future, we'll be able to store all, our, all of our content. Yeah. So for now, uh, we might only put up, like, for instance, maybe the episodes or, or ten episodes at a time or something. We're figuring that all out right now. We might actually um, externally host it until we can, uh, you know, pay for more website space. But uh, I, I wanted to especially give a, a big thank you to Dave and have him on, um, not only because he's a friend and I appreciate uh, his friendship and we're working on a game together, which I'm really excited about, uh, but also just that... It, it, it was really cool to see someone who just loves our show and supports the show and just got involved and really just stepped up and is helping a need um, and that uh, our viewers wanted it. And so, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know, I feel kind of really cool about how it's all working out. So. Yeah, because that was supposed to be Daryl's winter job. Yeah. Uh, and so... I took work away from You took our gerbs. Please. Please. Take all our gerbs. Uh, <laughs> No, it's great. Like like you alluded, it's it's going to be a little raw at first, but uh, we'll oh, yeah. refine it as we go on, just so that people know, you know, it, you know, it, it has actually been great to see you guys evolve. As I've been listening to the audio, just to make sure it was okay, listening to the first few episodes till where you guys are now, you can actually see an awesome transition. So it's been great to watch you guys, uh, you know, transition through these this last year. Well, thanks. That's pretty cool. Um... We have to figure out what we're going to do with all that stuff. But before we do that, I think we should probably go on to the show. So, yeah, on with the show. <laughs> on with the show. Um, let's bring in our guests. We have with us Mr. Brian W. Lentz. We're showing you in the broadcast now, Brian. And you can unmute your mic. And we have also Jeff Andrews. And there they are in full Technicolor glory. Yay. There's Brian and there's Jeff. Good to be here. Thanks for coming. Uh, Jeff is the man behind BGGCon, BGGFAM, and BGGC, so that's the one on the boat. Um, and he will be here talking to us about that. Brian is part of r and Games and also the one behind GrandCon. So they're the grand conveners. Or I'm not, do you guys have titles? <laughs> I've appointed myself the uh, director of events for BGG. Yeah. Did Aldi let you decide that name? <laughs> uh, I've said it in his presence, and he hasn't, uh, you know, told me to stop. So I'm, I'm about <laughs> to get some business cards made. Oh, awesome! And Brian, what do you call yourself? Pooba, game guru, fire chief, uh, don of many hats. There you go. Awesome. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, let's just jump into the questions. I got a question right off the bat for Jeff. I'm. Uh, why don't you uh, kind of explain, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, what are the differences between the three events we just name-dropped uh, so people can determine, you know, which BGGCon version's best for them? Sure, I'd uh, be happy to. Well, uh, BGGCon is, uh, you know, the granddaddy, the older brother, been going uh, 10 years now. And it's uh, we describe it as a weekend gaming party with your friends uh, that just happens to last a five days and 2,500 of your friends with a 5,000 game library to draw from. But other than that, it's just like Ooh, what you post on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> 
Um, now it's got a few other things uh, that that go in with that. We we've uh, we've always had good friends in the publishing industry, and and game designers are also gamers by trade, and so we've we've got a pretty good. Uh, dealer room, a uh, uh, set of exhibitors, and we have a few special events, but the focus really is just all about the open gaming. That's that's what we want to do. Um, and so that's in November. It's pretty much always, almost always has been, and pretty much always will be going forward the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, we put it there so that we have as much time after Essen, Spiel in Essen, uh, but still hit it before you know the end of the year holidays, and it's a slow time for the hotels, and so it works out pretty well for us. The uh, other two events uh, we started this year, uh, and they've already happened for the first time, and they're going to happen again next year. Uh, the first one we did was back in March. We did BGG at Sea, and uh, a lot of people thought that we were going to take on the Seattle Seahawks. But uh, no, the idea there was a cruise, uh, a gaming cruise. My wife and I like to do a lot of uh, cruising. It's one of our favorite ways to vacation, and we also like to play a lot of board games. And the last cruise I went on, I I brought some board games and I put a note in the card room saying, "Hey, I've got real games with me." Nobody ever called me, but uh, we played Firefly, the board game. My wife and I every day for the the whole week. And uh, we did get another couple come by and see the Firefly license and, and play the game with us once. But I thought, well, I like cruising so much, let me bring a bunch of uh, board gamers with me. So we did that in March uh, for a week through the Western Caribbean. We're doing it again next year in August. Uh, again, we're going out of Galveston uh, for a week, hitting some other ports in the Western Caribbean. And then we're already booked for 2017. Back in the spring of 2017, uh, we're going to do an Eastern Caribbean trip on the what will then be the world's largest cruise ship. It's uh, still under construction, but we're going on the Harmony of the Seas from Royal Caribbean out to, uh, to some Eastern Caribbean ports. Uh, and then the third event... Uh, we have uh, retitled, uh, it was called BGG Fam, it's uh, the vision for that, and we did it over Memorial Day weekend, the vision for that event is basically it's BGG Con, uh, but we wanted to allow the little kids to come as well, the gamers in training. Uh, that's been our one biggest, not necessarily complaint, but uh, suggested improvement is why don't you let kids under 12 come in November? And so when we started up Memorial Day weekend, we said, okay, the kids under 12 can come now. Um, it was a great event. We had a great time. Uh, we want more people to come. And uh, so... The, the vision for it is that it's still just BGG Con, just in the spring, and so now we're calling it BGG Con Spring uh, to emphasize that it's, it's BGG Con. Same rules apply. The kids are still allowed to come. It's over Memorial Day weekend. It's got a little more of a, you know, a regional con holiday weekend kind of feel to it, but uh, it's still about the open gaming, and we just opened registration, uh, I think, two weeks ago, a week ago, for next May in 2016, um, 
already got about 150 people signed up, and we expect it to continue to grow and uh, have a great time there. One of the really nice things that happened at that one is it, it timed up really well with the Spiel de Yars announcements. Uh, the Spiel de Yars nominees came out a week before the convention. We knew that was happening. The Spiel de Yars people contacted us, and they offered to come over, fly over the pond, and uh, teach all of the finalists and uh, we're hoping they can do that again. We haven't worked out schedules just yet, so we can't make that. Uh, we, we don't know for sure whether it's going to work out, but uh, we certainly would like to see them back again. So that's a long-winded uh, description of the three events, but I hope that uh, that covered it. Uh, just quickly, because a lot of us that watch are Canadians, and Daryl and I are Canadians, so Memorial Day weekend is which weekend? Oh, sorry, <laughs> yes. Uh, Memorial Day weekend is the, basically it's, it's going to fall on the last weekend in May. Okay. Whatever the last Monday in May will be that last day of the show. So it's the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's actually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of the last Friday in May. So which I think next year is May 30th. I usually have the calendars posted on my wall up here, but I, I still have May 2015 up there. I need to put May 2016 up now. So uh, the, the, the cruise will vary whatever time of year we can find the best deal for whatever itinerary we want. We are looking at Alaska for 2018 or 2019. Uh, BGG Spring will always cover the last me, um, Monday in May, and BGG Con will always cover the third Thursday in November because it's the week before Thanksgiving, which is the fourth Thursday. Awesome. Um, Brian, can you give us like a quick overview of Grand Con for people that might be not familiar with it? But then also a question from a friend in the YouTube chat, Eric, who helps organize the board game room up at um, PAX Prime up here in Seattle, has a question about how do you determine how you allocate space for your convention, for, you know, open gaming or scheduled games and, and events and things like that? Well, Grand Con, first of all, is uh, coming up in a, just about a week. It's September 25th through the 27th. Uh, for those that are in the local area or that can make it out, please do. We are a family-driven convention. We bring in uh, roughly around 2,000 games. We actually use the Gen Con library uh, at our convention to play games. Uh, we have well over 300 and I think 320 or 330 events that you can sign up and participate. Uh, we have guests such as like Tom Vassell and Z Garcia coming this year along with the Maple Syrup crew, uh, uh, well, uh, part of that crew. The um, good-looking one. <laughs> the tall one. We'll uh, say the tall one. <laughs> the one but, that can eat more. <laughs> so to give a, give a quick uh, up-to-date history, if you will, this is our third year. Uh, we started right out of the gates as a regional con. We jumped right into, we've been averaging 1,500 people. This year we're looking to have over 2,000. Um, so we've been very blessed, very fortunate. Uh, I don't run it completely by myself. I have to uh, give some props to my uh, my other half, if you will, for the convention. And that's Mark, and uh, we both run around with our our, our heads uh, heads heads held down and 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 lots of work ahead of us uh, to get it done because it's just us two. So uh, uh, with that, you know, it, gaming convention all the way around, special guests we bring in, uh, many friends of the industry. So, you know, we kind of consider it uh, um, just a place to come and hang and have fun for a weekend. 
Uh, and as far as the question, I'm sorry, what was the second part of that question, Susie? Yeah, uh, just interested in hearing how you allocate space. You know, I know uh, conventions have open gaming and scheduled tables and different kinds of events. So how do you determine in you know your restricted space how you allocate that? That's that's a tough. That's always a tough one for anybody that that coordinates um, a convention. So you know, we we look at our attendance numbers. Um, you know, roughly. Uh, in roughly, we're looking at probably about 70, 75% of the people are there for the entire weekend. Uh, some folks only pop in for a day or two. Mm -hmm. uh, so we allocate as much space as we possibly can for the, for the gaming, if you will. So that's the largest uh, meeting room or venue area. Uh, and, you know, it's really kind of a, it's really kind of a crystal ball question. Um, you know, you could, you could expect 2,000 people and all of a sudden you see three or 4,000 people. And so you just have to, you know, you have to adjust on the fly, but knowing your demographics, um, you know, when you run a convention, especially a regional convention, you're going to see 70 to 80 percent of the people come from within the surrounding area. And I live in uh, our, our our conventions in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, so uh, it's you know it's about a 1.2, 1.3 million surrounding area. So if you know your demographics, um, you know we kind of anticipate a little bit on that. So that's it's where it's at, but I. You know who knows that five thousand person could walk through the door, and we we have we have no control over over how many want to come and have fun. So we just do the best we can. Uh, you know, every year we have a floor plan that we lay out, and we allocate uh, you know to so much role playing, so much board gaming, uh, so much for tournaments, events, things of that nature, and you just deal with it when you see an overflow. Hmm. Interesting. So Jeff, you guys actually have a different model, right? You guys pre-sell. Yeah, that's correct. We uh, we we sell all our badges ahead of time. We don't take uh, walk-ups. We don't do day passes. It, you know, so we have the luxury of knowing ahead of time pretty much how many people are going to be there. Right, and that that makes your your logistics a little bit easier, would you say? Uh, well, it's it's still always a, a challenge, but uh, yeah, we we do have the benefit of of planning ahead and. And knowing, uh, you know, what we're going to offer, uh, and again, since we're mostly about open gaming, it's it's a few rooms for special events that I've approved ahead of time. Uh, it's the exhibit halls, but then it's the rest is just making sure we have enough tables for for people to play on, and we we cut off registration when we know that we've run out of tables for them to play on. Okay, David, I think you have a question. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask Brian. Uh, is there anything you tell us about the not so nice side of running a con? You know, uh, um, it's just it runs you ragged. How's that? You, you're you're tired. You know, uh, the convention isn't my only aspect of life, if you will. So, you know, I, I work full time for uh, for a publisher, as most of you know, um, and you know, I I have I wear many hats. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess that's the toughest part is to juggle. Um, you know your time management, and and keep it keep a good balance with that. But uh, uh, sometimes I I like to do a little too much. So, uh, <laughs> but that's you know you're gonna you're gonna deal with sometimes um, that grovelly situation, and you just have to you have to handle it with kid gloves and remember that uh, something else happened that maybe sparked a situation with somebody, and and uh, you know you just handle that aspect for your standard customer service, but 
um, you know, we've been we've been very fortunate and very blessed that you know it's been fairly smooth without you know without uh, uh, the help of our volunteers it would be really rough. But we do have a nice uh, nice crew of volunteers that come in to help alleviate you know situations, pointing people in certain directions. Um, but bottom line is, David, uh, it's it's been it's been a so far a, you know smooth ride. Um, not to say something could happen. Uh, uh, at any time, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I I don't know how to answer that because we've had a fairly good time with what we're doing. It's just a lot of work, very tiresome. Yeah, no, but I'm glad to hear that's good. So yeah, go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, uh, well, I I, I got to do a follow up question, but before I do, I also want to give a big thank you. Um, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, Brian mentioned R and R games. They're obviously a major sponsor of our show, and we really love and appreciate their support. Um, and also, uh, Board Game Geek, I believe, was like the second sponsor we had when we did our Kickstarter. So, again, another sponsor on the show. So, I just also want to say thank you uh, for your support, and uh, really, our show wouldn't exist without you guys. So, now, uh, now, just because they sponsored isn't the only reason why they're on the show. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah, Actually, on, we, just booked them. we just booked them, and then I'm like, hey, hey, look at that. It's a, uh, it's a lovely coincidence, yes. I, well, I, I selfishly booked them because I'm going to both of them, and I've never been. So... Now I get my sneak preview uh, and get to ask all these kind of questions. So I'm going to actually jump with a question that I have for BGGCon because I've seen these intimidating or funny-looking photos of people in masks with, like, some special <laughs> event that goes down at BGGCon. And I, think, I think they're luchadors. Yeah. Oh, the, the, tell the secret's us, out. Tell us a little bit about uh, that event and, and any other kind of quirky, fun things that go down at BGGCon that a noob like me needs to know about. Okay, well, you certainly picked uh, the, the the biggest and, and, and w most well-known one out of that. That is the Battling Tops event started by uh, Chad Grazan, who who does all the advertising for Board Game Geek. Uh, and if you've ever seen Battling Tops, the old kids game with tops uh, flying around in an arena, he's got, I think it's 8 or 16 copies, and it's basically WrestleMania. Um, unfortunately, I almost never get to see it because it usually happens right while I'm in the middle of running the poker tournament. But uh, it's chaos. It's a lot of fun, and uh, people dress up. They talk trash. Uh, we, they, you know, several years back, the uh, A Nation started as a a team of players to, you know, to to tell a story. And then a couple years back, I think uh, the 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 old upstart. Tom Vassell got his crew going with the, uh, I think they call themselves the Players of Pain, as a competing team uh, on on uh, on this wrestle thing. So that, that's a lot of fun. It happens Friday night. Um, there's lots of other things like that that just kind of happen spontaneously. Our, uh, you know, our philosophy, the whole BGG philosophy, is that you know the crowd knows best and let people do what they want to do as long as it's within the realms of uh, decorum and appropriate behavior but you know it there was uh, a couple years back somebody played uh, flower fall off the stairs the, <laughs> off the balcony and uh, that just you know happens spontaneously there's usually a pitch car tournament going on or or uh, you know three tables all put together of 50 people all playing wings of war all at the same time you know they're the kinds of things that we don't schedule or try and manage. We just let people happen and have a good time with. 
Brian, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about board game libraries. So I heard you mention that you actually use the Gen Con library. And of course, BGGCon is famous for their overwhelming um, library of games. But, you know, for people who are running smaller cons, um, interested in hearing any input you have on how to develop your lending library and how you organize the system of checking out the board games. Well, we're fortunate in that regard. So the front end is it's ran uh, between our registration uh, team, if you will, and uh, the Lending Library Logistics, which is the Gen Con library. They've actually coordinated together, so they have a, a checkout system uh, that is utilized between that. As far as, you know, smaller cons to regional cons like ours, um, you know, trying to start out is just, you know, making making friends with, uh, you know, the publishers out there and, and, and asking for donations to build your library, which a lot of them will do. They may send you a copy or two. Um, also, Play to Win is a fantastic program to, to get involved with. Uh, it obviously drives a lot of people to come to your show to play games, uh, and then in return, you know, you get extra copies to build a library. The logistical part is that once you start building your library, where do you store it? So, you know, uh, I know that uh, with Jeff and, you know, those guys, you guys have been doing this for a, f a few more years than Grand Con's been around, so... You you have your you have your wheels and your 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 racks ready to go. Um, so for the smaller and regional conventions, it's it's in somebody's house or a storage area until until you can uh, figure that all out. You know. Yeah, definitely. Actually, you brought up a good point um, that I'd like to follow up on. Is uh, so I I happen to help organize a 150 person board game convention up here in Washington State, which. Scale-wise, seems so small compared to what you guys manage. But um, uh, building our library, and then you know we run a little raffle and things like that. And board game publishers have been really generous with us to donate a game for either the library or for raffles. And um, it sounds like you know you've experienced similar things with GrandCon. Um, a question in regards to that is, how do you make sure that you know basically your sponsors get enough? you generate awareness with the attendees that, you know, these publishers and designers have generously donated and are supporting the convention. Do you have any tips on that? Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of marketing, if you will. So um, Facebook announcements, you know, through social media, which can tie into Twitter, uh, utilizing those, uh, you know, we like to, we try to do the best we can uh, with everybody that, that uh, supports our show, whether they're small or big. Uh, we put uh, lo you know, banner logos up on our website with a brief little bio, maybe a link back or a crossover link back to that particular individual's company. Um, we may offer, you know, hey, we'll give you, because we do program guides, uh, we may offer a free ad in the program guide or something like that. So something that benefits them that because they're benefiting us, you know, so we, we try and give back where we can. Cool. Excellent. Um, Jeff, you mentioned rules of decorum. What are the rules of decorum at BGGCon? What should people know before they go in, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, what is frowned upon, what they're going to get kicked out for, that kind of stuff? Well, that's a great question. Um, it it kind of goes back to the philosophy that the weekend, a weekend gaming party at your friend's house and um, how would you behave there if... Uh, you're at at your friend's house, but maybe it's the first time you're coming to make a new friend. So we've been really blessed with 
with a great uh, group of gamers. Um, you know, they, they, we really don't have uh, too many incidents. That they're very rare, something I have to deal with. Um, so just how would you behave in polite society? Uh, we just expect everyone to, to you know, uh, behave themselves appropriately. Now, if you're in a smaller setting, um, I have been back in the werewolf rooms at 3 a.m., and there's a certain more lax or looseness to the behavior there, but that's in one of the, the breakout rooms, you know, 20 people, and they all know what they're getting into when they walk into that room. Not that it's anything crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm still a pretty uh, uh, straight arrow, and, and I'm, I'm not uncomfortable there, but uh, just you know, behave yourself like you would in public, because that's that's where you are. Um, and if the if the drinking gets to be too much, that you're causing a disruption to someone else. That's when, when if you get to the point where you're impacting on someone else's fun, that's when I have to step in. But that's very very rare. Yeah. I have to I'd have to just tag that and say it, absolutely. I think for the most part. Um, you know the community, the hobbyists, the gamers, and things are—they—they they know their limits. You know, some some will get out of control, and that's when you have to redirect them. <laughs> but uh, uh, otherwise, most folks are are pretty are pretty easy to deal with, and they're they're there to have fun. You know, so. Okay, so uh, Brian, I, I have a question for you because I've heard some uh, stories about it, or at least information. Uh, any interesting designer activities planned for Grand Con? Absolutely. Uh, well, we we are, uh, you know, last year we had the uh, fortune of having Unpub here as a presence, and uh, you know that was our first attempt at uh, having a room dedicated to designers, if you will, to come in and have some fun with what they like to do. Uh, in the gaming world, uh, this year, you know, GrandCon's doing it on its own, um, and uh, so we have a designer's playtest room, which is open to the public, if you will. As long as there's a table and seats, you can bring, you know, your game in and uh, set it up and rope people in and have them come play your game and give you feedback, of course, like you would. Uh, we also have it set up. We we attempted something a little different, being um, our first year, but I wanted to have it set up as an event if you will, so you can actually register your prototype in our system as an event, so that way you can have scheduled time and a guaranteed table as well, because obviously tables are uh, of high value at a convention. <laughs> so uh, uh, that was kind of a, something that I came up with to try, and I've actually had a few different folks from the uh, unpub world, if you will, reach out to me and say, what, you know, what are you doing different? And I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good attempt. We'll see what happens. Um, as far as uh, honing in on maybe a little bit more, we're actually doing a designer's contest this year. Uh, you know, it's a Grand Con uh, nice. design challenge at breakneck speeds. So uh, we actually had the Game Crafter uh, sponsor uh, the back end of it for the components, which was awesome. Uh, you know, thanks to, to Tavis and, and JT and crew there. But, uh, um, you know, with, with that, you, you come in, you pay a little bit to get into the event. You've got 24 hours to come up with a game. We're not, I'm not going to divulge the, uh, the the rules yet, but uh, uh, you have 24 hours, and you got to come back, meet in a room, and and be able to pitch your, pitch your game to four industry knowns, uh, designers and or publishers, if you will, and they're going to grade you, and then there's, uh, you know, a, a top three, top three prize down uh, winnings, uh, which is, you know, so far we have uh, we have, you know, what did I set? I think I think I set it for like 16. You know, this is our first year, so 16 people can enter it. 
and we already have half of the uh, half the field filled up already for people that want to get into it. So that's great for a first year try. So, um, yeah. but it's exciting. I can't wait to see what people come up with. Obviously, it's going to be nerve wracking. Um, we have some some a uh, couple podcasts that have offered to come in and record it. Uh, course, if the designer <laughs> allows it, it puts a little bit more pressure on people. So that's where we're going with the design uh, this year, and uh, who knows where it will grow from there. I hope I hope it continues to grow where it becomes a 50 to 100 person event, and it just it takes a you know a few days to get through it or whatever. I think it'd be super cool to see something like that. But obviously, you got so much time and so much to deal with with uh, design. So thanks. Awesome. Well, I mean, obviously. The the majority of our viewers are uh, a good chunk of our viewers are uh, people either that are designing or thinking about designing stuff, and uh, so I got to follow up with a similar question with Jeff. Uh, curious about what kind of things are happening at BGGCon uh, that designers can utilize, um, and also um, maybe it's like two points. So designer side, and then the other thing I want to know about is the uh, the the hot tables. I've heard like there's like kind of like the hotness tables and the hot games. Yeah. The hot games. What what's the deal there? So Okay. Uh all right. Uh well, real quick on the designers for for many years now we've had what we call Proto Alley. Uh Gilhova started that up. And basically for the entire length of the convention it's it's very similar where uh just a room set aside for designers to uh amongst themselves show off uh rough prototypes and get some some feedback and testing. Uh, Gil stepped out of doing that a couple years back and Unpub took it over and Unpub has been coming the last couple of years. They're coming back again this year uh, to, to run that uh, throughout the convention. And then in the evenings uh, we have uh, James Matthews start, uh, started doing his designer publisher speed dating. Uh, where uh, you know designers get five minutes to pitch their game to publishers, uh, we now have uh, almost all the publishers you can think of uh, at a certain level that that are coming to the show, and so they come by and and uh, do that. Uh, that usually runs either two or three evenings during the convention, um, and so we we like to support uh, the design community uh and there's a lot of prototypes being shown just out on the regular floor since it's all open gaming uh you can just randomly you know bump into Tom Lehman and and play one of his latest designs he's playing with i actually played something that uh, Tom Vassell was uh, kicking around with last year uh, i don't know if it ever went anywhere but had a lot of fun with it so there's there's a, a lot of stuff happening organically outside of the the scheduled things uh, hot games is uh, completely different, uh, but for a uh, it's another thing that's become a signature part of the con. It's it's interesting. It's it's getting less and less important to be a thing in and of itself, except that it's now a tradition and everyone expects it to be there. But uh, the reason it started was, you know, I've been to every BGG con. I haven't been, I didn't run every one of them. I, I took it over a few years into it. But, you know, the second BGG con or the third one, Space Dealer was the game everybody had to play. Or Kalis was one, you know, the year before. That there were only two copies in the U.S. at BGG con that everybody wanted to play, but it was checked out. Nobody could get to play it. So... Uh, around year four or five, we came up with the idea of hot games where 
whatever the agricola was of that year is fixed on a table and stays there and you can't check it out and you just rotate in and play it uh, because there's so few limited copies basically the idea of a hot game was something that everybody wants to play but we have the only three copies in the states right now and so no one would get a chance to play it if you could check it out for a day um, the reason I'm saying it's becoming less and less important is because the pipeline from Essen to the US has widened significantly and now there's those copies those games that everybody wants to play well there's people are going to get a chance to play it even if it's not on the table but we we still uh, we still have them there we're still going to do it again this year it's going to change in a different part of the room but uh, it's it's you know we handpick uh, based on feedback from people who have been to Essen based on people voting in a poll on the website we pick a dozen games 20 game you know 15 20 games set out multiple copies on about 25 30 tables for uh, people to just you know play the the hot games that year and I'll tell you I spent a fair amount of time in the hot games room last year at PGGCon the irony being and Jeff, with a grain of salt, of course. It yes. was so cold in there. It was like they <laughs> cranked up the air conditioning to kind of help with the airflow and stuff like that. And the hot games room was freezing cold. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm now in I Texas, and I'm like, a sweatshirt on. Well, I'm, I'm just going to throw out anybody who's been there. That's the filmmaker's room, and it's it's kind of been the dank basement, dungeon area. Uh, I was at the hotel a week ago. That room is being completely remodeled. It is going to be a gorgeous ballroom uh, in a couple of weeks when they finish, and it's it's going to be a great place to be. Now, the, the, the downside is going to be all exhibit booths this year, and Hot Games is going to be back in part of the main ballroom, but we can, you know, talk about that later. I'll get the maps posted soon. <laughs> cool. Um, Brian, I actually uh, want to switch back to logistics because, you know, Sen and Daryl, they're designers, but I'm a project manager, so I'm all about the nitty-gritty, right? Um, and I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, how you um, negotiate with the venue and kind of key points that you can use or that you should take into account. For example, um, when I organize the con, we work with the hotel we host at to get extra discounts or free rooms for the organizers or setting up a specialized menu. Like at BGG Con, I know they had like um, uh, food, like a food table that was set up that you could buy, you know, key meal hours so people didn't have to like walk and leave for food and things like that. So any kind of tips you have on um, negotiating with the venue and other kind of nitty gritty uh, setup and organization details? Uh you know, as far as the venue, that's it's going to be different anywhere you go. Um, you definitely want to make sure that you uh, work it in that you get a room for the organizers because that's where you're at. You're, you know, for the entire convention, you do not want to have to be. You know, I live 15, 20 minutes from the convention center that we use, but um, you know, I don't want to be driving home because uh, I'm up till two, three in the morning usually anyway, making sure things are shutting down properly and things, uh, you know, like that. So that's one. So you want to negotiate that in. The other is um, you have to look at if, if there's any incentive for the hotel. Uh, you know, does the hotel, um, you know, can they take 100, 200, 300 rooms, 400 rooms? You know, that's so you have to look at like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna rent out this many rooms for our convention. You know, contract that in. How that's going to 
come back to you, you know, whether it starts out at, you know, you're paying 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, on up, depending on how big your convention is. And when I, and I'm talking thousands of dollars, right? So um, logistically you have to find out where that, that room level is and then how much they'll back down, if you will, um, based on how much you rent from them because that's where they're making their money back. And so you could work it where you, you know, you sell 200 rooms and you've got your venue for free. Um, the hotel's happy, you know, as a convention owners, you're happy, you know, but it just depends on the size of the convention. Um, and that's, that's a growing thing. You know, you, it's a growing pain. Um, you know, I'm, we're, we're going into our third year of the convention and it's still something that we have to negotiate. We can't, you know, with BGG being well planted, you know, you walk in and say, Hey, we've done this now for six, seven, eight years. We've got this many people coming in. They do the pre-registration, then cut it off. We also do pre-registration, but we still allow walk-ins. So we're still building up that momentum to get a good fix on how many attendees we're going to see year over year. So um, going, you know, to finish that point, it's really just going back to knowing your traffic flow, and then going to the venue and saying, "Hey, we're going to bring this in. Um, they're going to buy this much from the the pub bar, you know, in the restaurant we're in. There's a pub bar, you know, so they're going to spend money there. They're going to spend money in the hotel, uh, and then there then there's a negotiation in there. Well, you rent this many rooms, guaranteed, and we'll drop the price this much, you know. So it's it's tough uh, when you go into the bigger venues. It's even more hardball. So <laughs> uh, sometimes as a smaller convention, you you have no say. So they're like, this is the price, and this is what you got to pay. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Just a real quick follow-up, and I'd, I'd love to actually hear from you, Brian, and um, Jeff on this front. How far out are you securing the venue? So for Grand Con and BGCon, um, you know, are you two years out? Are you ten years out? You know, I, I know like Gen Con is like, you know, they do ten-year contracts, that kind of thing. Is it easier as or smaller? We, as we grow, Susie, sorry to interject. Yeah. Um, you know, and Jeff, it might be a little easier for you guys since you're established, right? Um, but like with yeah. us... We're, we're, we're building that establishment. We're growing in the community. A lot of folks um, from across the country and the world now are starting to ask me or ask about Grand Con, which is super cool to, to hear because it's just another great uh, opportunity for people to come have fun and play games. Um, but uh, uh, so, you know, um, you know, sorry, it, it just, it's a, it's, it's just knowing um, I, I totally train left the building there. I've, I've got distracted. So um, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, repeat it, the question. <laughs> no problem. Well, Jeff, we wanted you want to share. Yeah, uh, yeah, BGG, I'll, I'll jump in. The question, as I understood, is basically how far out are you contracted with the venue? And uh, we're contracted out through 2017 and have been for a couple of years. So we stay we stay three to four years ahead, give or take. Um, it's we like the venue we're at, and so uh, you know, like I said, we're we're through 17. I expect either the end of this year or sometime next year to sign two more years after that, and we usually sign two to three years at a time. And gotcha. to finish to finish that point, sorry, I just uh, distracted myself. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, it's for us right now. It's it's year it's year over year. Uh, we gotcha. you know, our first year we were in a wonderful wonderful facility. And um, you know we would have loved to have gone back, but we we blew the doors out, if you will. It, we had no more room to grow, and we moved into the facility we're in now. And honestly, we're busting at the seams with this facility. Um, you know, and you're limited to your city. You know, Dallas is obviously a lot larger, you know, in just case than Grand Rapids is. 
um, with the surrounding area. You may have a few more facilities to handle what you'd like to do. I'm a little bit limited. We do have a really large facility downtown, but of course, once you go to that large facility, then you're talking about a bigger price. So there becomes the the rub of it all. You know, can you afford to move into it and still maintain that space? So it's a, it's a growing pains, but yeah, we we right now we're doing it year over year. So we already have our venue set for next year. Uh, it's going to be middle end of September. We're just uh, working on the dates right now. Awesome. Well, I I, I kind of want to follow this up with uh, um, with Jeff uh, specifically. You've expanded. You mentioned at the beginning with the idea of of the cruise, and you've expanded with you know the family friendly BGG Con Spring. Uh, what do you envision is next? What's the next uh, BGG Con point something? <laughs> dot Mars. Yeah. Dot Moon. Yeah. Dot, dot moon, yeah, there we go. Um, well, yeah, I uh, a few months back, I actually, I wrote a forum post about my vision for the growth of BGGCon, and uh, um, we we like our venue and don't actually want to get any bigger, but we know that more people want to come. Uh, we're selling out quicker and quicker, and our waiting list this year is longer than it's ever been by at least double or triple. I've got over 950 people who want to come this year, don't have tickets yet, and they're not going to be able to. I mean, we always move some tickets off the waiting list, but there just won't be. And so that's why we started a second event. That's that's the why of BGG Spring is uh, I, I want to run multiple events that are 2,500 to 3,000 people. I don't want to run an event that's 6,000 people. I don't want to be Gen Con. I don't want to be Origins because the logistics from our perspective start to break down at that point. We don't want to lose the feel of a weekend gaming convention. So right now the focus is growing spring to the size of uh, BGG Con. And, you know, when that happens, maybe we'll look at adding another one. We've talked about uh, taking it on the road. We wanted to grow locally first. Uh, just because the logistics are easier that way, but we've talked about, uh, you know, don't quote me on any of this. Nobody's watching this, right? But you know, we've, we've oh, talked we're about. Oh, we're so going to quote you. <laughs> we've talked about a lot of things, I should say, but uh, nothing, nothing planned. But we've talked about Europe. We've talked about West Coast, East Coast, Canada, North. You know, Coast, all different. West Coast, Canada, 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 West Coast. Canada. One of the things, I mean, we've been approached many a times about, you know, franchising the name or putting our name on some existing convention, and that that's not what we're about. We, we like to have, uh, you know, control of the quality of the product, you know, to use some marketing speak. So if if we branch out, we're, you know, we're, we're going to stay focused on doing what we know best. Excellent. Um, Brian, I just wanted to ask you a quick question about Grand Con itself. Now, Grand Con is... Is the Grand Con in September a separate Grand Con than the comic part of it, or is it all happening at the same time? Um, well, let me clarify. We maybe, maybe I don't know where the where the question's coming in at, Sen, because there is a Grand Rapids Comic Con that is not related to Grand Con. Okay, so. that might be because somebody said, "Oh, the comic thing," and I said, "I don't think right. so." Okay, no, so. No. we we started out. Uh, as a gaming convention, uh, there was an idea injected to become a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that it was going to be a, a tough a tough road ahead to be hybrid, but we gave it a shot. And um, 
it, it, it showed itself. There's a lot of gamers in this area. There are a lot of comic book enthusiasts, but they're two different types of shows. They really are. And, you, you, you know, I love comics and I love artists. You know, I, I, and I appreciate that. Um, but I love gaming more. So, um, but, uh, um, so they have to be, in my mind, they have to be separate. Okay, and just uh, another question about that. So you do open board gaming, and you do set events, and you do role-playing games as well. Uh, what don't you do at Grand Con? Uh, currently, it's miniatures and LARPing. You know, I know a lot of folks out there enjoy to do the live-action role-play and miniatures. Miniatures, unfortunately, just I would love to do miniatures. I, I get a kick out of watching people play them, and it's just that that three-dimensional aspect that really draws you in sometimes, but um, it takes a lot of space. It takes a ton of space to provide for miniatures. Uh, you know, your average table is a four-by-four, four, uh, you know, for, like, Warhammer and things of that nature, um, and so that becomes a logistical issue. So we, we try and accommodate as much as we can. So right now it's, you know, it's purely board gaming. We have the role-playing section. Um, as well, which is actually very big in, in Michigan, more so than I than I even knew. Uh, so we we get a lot of the societies coming, Pathfinder Society and Watts. He's coming in with you know Dungeons and Dragons stuff like that. But so to answer your question, um, yeah, it's the miniatures uh, and the LARPing is the two major things that are we would love to do, but they're not really a big focus. Okay, great, Suze? Yeah, so. Uh Jeff, with your expertise in board game <laughs> conventions, um, when you get to go to a convention that you don't have to organize, what do you look for? What thrills you at those conventions? Oh, boy. Actually getting to play. Um, it's actually a rare event because I still have a, another full-time day job. But... Uh, you know, my joke at BGGCon is my goal is to always play at least one game, and I almost always make it. Um, there have been many BGGCons I don't get any in. Uh, the cruise was awesome because I got to play a ton of games. Uh, but I do go to some other conventions occasionally. Just most of my day job vacation time is spent running BGG events, so I don't get to others. But um, just uh, what what thrills me is you know seeing old friends and getting to play a good long game of Indonesia or you know something yeah. like that. Right, good convention game. Cool, David. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Brian, uh, just wondering if you could share maybe that one special convention memory. Oh boy, uh, there's there's several. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's the first time that, uh, you know, you have the, the first day jitters, if you will. You're starting a convention, and, you know, you have registration rolling in, but you just you just have no idea um, the attendance uh, when you first started out. You know, you hear rumblings in the convention world that most conventions could be around for 9 to 10 years, right? And you see two 300 people the entire time for 9 to 10 years, and that's all you ever see. And so, you know, when we went into this, we were thinking five, maybe 700, because we had some pretty decent pre-registration numbers. And our first year, we hit almost 1,500 people. Um, so that was that was a shining shining star for me at that moment to just know that there was a, um, a need in the community uh, for this, and we fulfilled it. And it was just a fantastic experience. Um, I'm sorry, to take to not take much much more time, but I, you know. 
our first year, we had in, in the gaming industry, not everybody's going to know who these people are, but for those that do, you'll understand. But our first year, we had Tracy and Laura Hickman. Mm-hmm. We had Ed Greenwood. We had Jeff Grubb. We had Stephen Shen. Um, besides, you know, Plaid Hat Games came in. Uh, R&R Games showed up. Uh, you know, so we had all these known publishers and well-known authors and game players that have been around for decades uh, our first year. That, on top of the attendance that we saw our first year, was just a, a, an amazing experience. Yeah, that sounds great. That Thanks. is incredible. And I just want to say thank you both to Brian and Jeff for uh, taking out the time at this wee hour to chat with us and share a little bit about uh what it takes to run a, a game convention. So hopefully us uh, designers or attenders can be a little more thankful for all the behind-the-scenes work that's going on um, and maybe be a little friendlier uh, with our maybe our complaints or uh, <laughs> our feedback for opportunities to grow. Uh, so I just uh, I really want to say thank us. you. And uh, we're uh, just a reminder for anyone who's new to the show, we do film an after show uh, where we'll chit-chat a little bit. Sometimes we have guests on, sometimes it's just the host. Uh, but uh, we'll always make sure to post that uh, sometime in the next few days. Uh, so please tune into that. Uh, check that out. There's some really fantastic things uh, that come up during the after show as well. And uh, meanwhile, keep designing great games, and we look forward to playing your game soon. Have a good night.